Welcome back to our series entitled Jesus Is. Have you been enjoying this series so far? Come on, say yes real loud and make me preach better. Yeah. Right, I preach better when you're here and I preach better when you, you talk back. Thank you, Sharon. It's good to have my wife here for two Sundays in a row. She's been serving in children's church and doing a great job. And I just preach a whole lot better when she's here because if I say something stupid, she gives me that look. And I have a chance to repair it before the next week. Okay, so we're going to continue on our series about Jesus is. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the different attributes of Jesus. And many of us have a, uh, an image of Jesus in our mind. And it's, it could come from a number of different places. It could have come from Sunday school. It could have come from catechism. It could have come from your parents or your grandparents. It could have come from school that you went to. It could come from TV and some of the movies you've watched. Some of you may know Jesus only through a movie. But this morning, I just want to just want to set the record straight about who Jesus is. We're just going to take from the Bible and just talk about who Jesus is. And we're going to make it very plain and very simple, just like Paul told the, the church of Corinthians. And this is our key verse in first Corinthians chapter two from the message translation. It says this. Paul says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. Say plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Paul said, I'm not coming up here because I'm a great speaker, even though I am. With all these big 50 cent words, I'm coming up here and just going to keep it plain and simple. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. That way you can make up your own mind. You can get a clear picture of who Jesus is first. Isn't it funny that Paul says you need to know who he is first? Wow. So for, so for week one, we talked about how Jesus qualifies to be your best friend. Some of you in here may be lonely this morning. You may not have many friends and you see sometimes you get bummed out about that. But let me tell you something. Jesus can be your best friend if you'll let him. He will be your best friend. He qualifies to be your best friend. He's been there and done that and got a whole closet full of T-shirts. Amen. He has. He's, he's had relational issues. He's had physical issues. He's been beaten. He's been cursed at. He knows what it, what it feels like to be betrayed. He's been there. He's a carpenter. He knows what it's like to work hard and sometimes not sell your goods. He qualifies to be your best friend. And then we talked about how Jesus, excuse me, how Jesus qualifies or how Jesus is your, he's, he's your, your last week we talked about how Jesus is the miracle worker. Sorry for that. I had a hard time getting it out. But we talked about last week, how he's the miracle worker and how if we'll let him, he can perform miracles in our life. Right. I made a statement last week and it wasn't a statement I was prepared to make. Just something the Holy Spirit had given me during the, during the message. And I said this, and man, it's, it stuck with me all week. And it's, it, we talked about how Jesus is a caretaker and how Jesus wants to take care of us. But a lot of times we don't let him take care of us. Right? And we're going to talk some more about that today. But man, when I said that, it did something to me. Because I realized the condition I was in and the shape I was in and my mental and physical and emotional and spiritual state. And it was because I simply would would just leave the door closed and wouldn't let Jesus take care of me. To have a best friend, you got to actually communicate with that person, right? You can't have a silence of the lambs kind of relationship and say, well, this is my best friend. Really? Well, what do they do? Mm -hmm, We never talk. What do y'all do? We just sit there and look at each other. Right? But if you let your best friend in on what's going on in your life and you'll listen to them, then God can use that best friend in your life. Right? So it is with Jesus. If we'll let him, he'll take care of us. So this week we're going to talk about Jesus is my shepherd. And the second week, by the way, we talked about how Jesus is the teacher. And we talked about the different ways that Jesus taught us by examples, by by actually giving us scripture, by teaching and, and showing his disciples the things that, that, that are, were of the kingdom. And so today we're talking about Jesus is my shepherd. 
And I want you to see this in John 10, 10, John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. Look what it says. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You need to remember those three things. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus didn't just say, I am the shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. Right? He made a very clear distinction that I am the good shepherd. Not just any old shepherd, but the good shepherd. This was Jesus' favorite description of himself. I really believe that he loved seeing us as a flock and seeing himself as a shepherd. Recently, the, the family and I have gotten, we, we bought some chickens. <laughs> we studied them for a while. I, I, may, I had this thought about a year ago that I wanted to do something I've never done before. And I wanted to read and learn about it before I actually did it and then go do it. It's a whole different way of thinking for me, okay? Because normally I do it and then learn about it afterwards. Anybody else like that, please? Oh, God, I'm in the right church. So I bought this thing the kids called the Chicken Bible. And so I bought this, this book, this thick book. And I'm not a big reader, but I got my Chicken Bible. And so every afternoon late, I would read the Chicken Bible. And I would learn about chickens, that things I didn't know. Because I had those questions like, how does a chicken get an egg if you don't have a rooster? Good question, huh? They just make it up themselves. <laughs> Don't need a rooster to make an egg. Well, those kind of things I didn't know. And I wanted to be a good shepherd of chickens. And I wanted my kids to have that experience of raising chickens. So we went and bought these 12 one-year-old supposedly hens. And, and they were, the poor man, he had them on, uh, just, he, he was starving them. Because he had so many eggs that he, he, uh, he couldn't hold them anymore. So he, he put them in a cage and they were free range chickens and he started starving them. So they wouldn't produce so many eggs, not starving them to the point of death, but he cut back their food. And so we bought them. And, and I mean, and so they were kind of different for us. And you know, we went in the guy caught him with a net. And so he didn't know his chickens real well. Cause if you know your chickens, you ought to be able to catch them by your hand. And so he's in there with a net, this old man, he's catching them. And he's cussing up a storm. I mean, his description on how to get his house had about five adjectives in it. It's just crazy. So anyway, so we're throwing him in this pet taxi thing, man, the kids. And I brought everybody. And this guy's beep, beep, beep. I'm going, oh, God. You got damage control. And so we get the chickens and we bring them home. And I built this chicken tractor, this A-frame thing. It's like five foot wide, ten foot long. It's half of it's covered in tin. It got nesting boxes. I mean, I'll bling this thing out. Like if I get in the dog house, I'm going to go live in the chicken house. Right? I mean, I, I, listen, I knew what I was doing. I made it right. So we did that, and then the, the purpose is you put the chickens in, and every day you move the chicken tractor, and the chickens get on fresh grass. Okay? So we had, I had this whole scheme. I mean, me and the kids, we had a great time with Cheryl. And so we bring the chickens home, and they're stressed out, and they're not producing many eggs. And so we get kind of discouraged, and one day they just stop. No eggs. Thinking, man, I got a hundred something bucks tied up in these things. They better start producing. I'm about to put my foot somewhere. If there's a blockage, we're going to release it. <laughs> so, what I realized was <laughs> some of you are getting that now. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to kick something to make it work. <laughs> so, what we realized was we were stressing the chickens out because it was new for us. So, we jumped there every afternoon. Every time we heard the noise, we thought it was an egg hitting a nesting box. We were like popping the thing open. No, nope, no, nope, false alarm. And we're out there, we're poking at the cage in the lab. We got a lab, which is not good with chickens. She's like, <laughs> she just wants to get through the fence. And our little dog, he thinks he's this tall. And he, anyway, so we're stressing the chickens out. So finally, we get the chickens in this place. And we, we went and bought some netting and we put them in a little open spot. So we leave them out all day. And at night, they go in and we found our routine. We realized we were stressing them out. And we got to settle in this place. We put them under, around my pecan trees so they could fertilize my pecan trees. See, I, I read. This is good. And so we did all that. And now our chickens have been, been, been producing about six to seven or five to seven eggs a day. We've actually given away two dozen eggs. That means we got more than enough. Right? And now when we step out of the house and they see us come off of the driveway... They all run to the fence to meet us. 
And the kids, I mean, Ethan will get out there. We got no pear tree. And he'll cut up some pears and they get in there. And they're still trying to catch one by hand. But now they're, they're coming around their feet and they're, they're getting used to us. And it's funny that as they've gotten comfortable and used to us and got to know us, they're actually producing more. Now, that's heavy. That was a word. No, I'm serious. The closer they got to the shepherds, are you hearing me? The more relaxed they were, the more comfortable they were, the more secure they were, the more they produced. Isn't that good? So this morning, Jesus is our shepherd. And the Bible makes it clear that he's our shepherd. Let me give you a few, a few metaphors that Jesus uses to describe himself. Uh, Jesus is the father and the church is a family. Jesus is the head and the church is the body. You've heard these before. Jesus is the, the shepherd and the church is the flock. So look at your neighbor and say, what's up, flock? Don't slip. Don't slip and say something wrong. Jesus. <clears throat> Psalms 100. Let's move on. Psalms 100 verse 3 says, now that the Lord is God or know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We're the sheep of Jesus's pasture and he is the shepherd, right? I just want to plant that image in your mind. In the New Testament, the word shepherd and pastor go hand in hand. A lot of times they're interchangeable. So when you read in the New Testament shepherd, you can actually put in the word pastor. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. So, so the Bible calls me to be a good shepherd. What it's really saying is, Jamie, you need to be a good pastor. So I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do, another reason I'm trying to raise a couple animals is because I want to learn how to be a better pastor. Shepherd. Right? That's for you. So that means I can raise hogs and cows and I ain't messing with no sheep. But there's a, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about our need for a heavenly and an earthly pastor. A heavenly and an earthly pastor. <laughs> You're going to like this one. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2 to 4. Peter's talking to us as believers, elders, and pastors in the church. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You see, in that verse, it talks about how there's a chief shepherd, Jesus, a chief pastor, Jesus. And then there's a shepherd, pastor, Jamie. Pastor Bubba, Pastor Jacob. Tonight we're going to see Pastor Jim. You with me? You seeing this? So in reality, if you're a member of this church and you've put yourself under a pastor, you you are under me and the chief pastor. Are you seeing this? I'm trying to tell you who Jesus is. He's a pastor. He's a caretaker. He's a shepherd. You with me? So that means if you can't get me on the phone, who you need to call? Actually, you need to call Jesus before you call me. Some of you, that's a new revelation. I love it when people call me and say, look, Pastor, I, I hadn't prayed about this yet. But I just wanted to hear what you had to say. I'm like, well, I ain't prayed about it neither. Give me a chance. At least send me a heads up text. Hey, I'm about to call you about this. Go ahead and pray. Anyway. <laughs> Psalms 23, 1 to 6 from the New King James Version. I want us to read this together. Is it on the screen? Posey, can you get that one on the screen? There we go. Let's read this, this verse together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil for you are with me. Isn't that an awesome verse? Most of you probably knew that verse already. If you've been to any kind of a funeral, people read that at a funeral. But it's not just for death. It's not just for funerals. It's for us today who are alive and doing well. So number one, let me give you this. The the shepherd provides. The shepherd provides. Psalms 23 and verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That, That doesn't mean that he's my shepherd and I don't want him. That means he is my shepherd. And because he is my shepherd, I shall not find myself in a position of want. Are you with me? If he's your shepherd then you shouldn't be in a place of want. You say, well, pastor, you ain't been down the road. I've been down. Let me tell you something. I've been down some crazy roads and I've wondered if he, if this verse was true. But when I came out of that place of wonder and, and I realized that, you know what? I'm still kicking. I'm still breathing. I'm still doing good. I'm actually doing better than when I went into this trial or this tribulation. He really is my shepherd and I really shall be without want. Amen. Be content, be grateful for where you are and who you are and what you have. Amen. <laughs> because it can get worse. But he's the great shepherd. He gives you exactly what you need. You shall not want. My chickens don't want for anything. In the Hebrew, this literally means that you will lack Nothing. You know why you need to know that? Not just that you have this head knowledge that Jesus is my shepherd and I shall not want or I I will lack nothing. It's so that when you start feeling like you're lacking, you can say this to yourself. Hey, I'm not lacking anything. Right? When things get tight, he's my shepherd. I shall not want. Sometimes you got to call Jesus out on his on his words. Are you hearing me? Sometimes you need to remind him of what he said. Not that he needs to be reminded. You see, my, my, my kids want things from their daddy. Right? Most kids do. When I know they really want it is when they're persistent about it. Seriously. I'm going to embarrass Virginia real quick. It'll be quick. <laughs> Ethan worked with me all summer. Ethan put some money in the bank, bought him a gun, bought him a fishing pole, bought him this, bought him that. He, he made good money this summer. Virginia was ironing clothes at the house, and she's not making quite the same amount of money Ethan's making, but she has the opportunity to make good money. And so she's, she's complained a few times. Is that correct? About she's, She beat me over the head about getting a raise. I'm like, baby, I can go to the store and get it for a dollar a piece. You ain't getting a raise. You maxed out. So I told her, I said, well, what you need to do is, is you need to every week go see what needs to be ironed. You don't need to ask. Go find something to iron and iron it and I'll pay you for it. She hadn't done that. I'm ironing one of my own shirts this morning. And she comes up behind. She goes, oh, dad, uh, when we get home this afternoon, I'll go through your closet. But I'm not fussing at her. But what I'm saying is, is if she really wanted it bad enough. She wouldn't have to ask and I wouldn't have to remind. Right? That wasn't too bad, was it? Okay. All right. But it's the truth. We shall not lack of anything. We, we shall not find ourselves in this place of want. I heard my pastor say, you're as close to Jesus as you want to be. In other words, it ain't nobody else's fault. You're as spiritually mature as you want to be. Come on. You're growing as fast as you want to grow. You take as much pain as you want to take. You see, my kids don't want for anything. Now, they got things that they want for, but in in reality, they've got things they don't need for anything. Why? Why? Because they know daddy's going to provide. They know daddy's going to provide. 
You see, I'm being an example of the shepherd to my children. Are you following me? I'm trying to be. I'm having to change. I'm having to do a lot of things to, to get better. Philippians 4.19 says this. says, And my God will meet all your needs according to, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You need to memorize that verse. It's a short one. Memorize it. Number two, the shepherd restores. Jesus restores. Psalms 23, 1 to 3 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Why does he do that? Because we don't know when to stop. And restore. We don't know when enough is enough. I'm kind of bummed out this morning. I blew my whole Saturday yesterday doing stuff around the house and I had no time to just relax. I had a crazy week, worked hard all week. I'm not complaining. I enjoy it. But Saturday I was like, man, you know, I need to kick back, take it easy for a little while. Just, just rest a little bit. I got the sinus thing going on. I probably need to rest. No, didn't happen. Got in the house at eight something in dark outside. I looked up, the sun's going out like, man, where'd the day go? But the shepherd will make you lie down in green pastures because you don't know when to stop and rest and restore and re re-identify yourself in him. Come on. As a businessman, I didn't know when to stop. I didn't know I could stop. Are you hearing me? Man, if you're a leader in your company, a leader in your business, it's hard to stop sometimes. But let me tell you something. If you don't learn how to stop, he's going to stop you. Right? It says that he makes us lie down in green pastures. You know what that says about the shepherd? Is that he cares enough about you to put you in a good place. He wants you to have good sleep. Some of you don't sleep well. He wants you to have good sleep. He wants you to rest well. He wants you to recover. He wants you to get your mind right. He wants you to especially get your spirit right. Because I, I know the struggle is we get so busy with our stuff. What do we compromise? The relationship with Jesus. Is that not the first thing that goes out the window? It's our relationship. That's why he says he brings the sheep to a pasture and he says, you need to lie down here beside the still waters, a quiet place. In other words, you need to learn how to get quiet with him. Amen. Listen, there's been times I've had to make some of the hardest decisions, some big decisions. And I just happened to learn one day that I just to make that big decision, I got to shut the noise off around me so that I can hear his voice. I've run to the woods. I've hidden in the woods. Man, this is a good excuse to go deer hunting. I've, I've done all those things. You just you know, you're going deer hunting again. I'm going here from the Lord. <laughs> Come on, man. I, I'm on your side. Just by the way, I got time to hunt this year. So don't forget about me. <laughs> Some of you didn't need that encouragement. Some of you women go, I'm going to tear him up at the church. But there's been times I've had to break away and shut the noise down. Turn my cell phone off. It does have an off button. The computer has an off button. Facebook will thrive without you. Are you hearing me? Nudge your, nudge your neighbor and say, it will go on without you. I mean, I got, to the, I got into this Craigslist thing. You know, I'm, I'm looking for chickens, so I got into the farm and garden part. And it was like, I was so into Craigslist that I, I couldn't wait for the next thing to pop up. So every couple hours, I would redo it. And, oh, nothing pops up. I woke up and realized the other day, if I wait a couple days, it'll get about five or six things new on it. And I can see them all at one time. Like, Hallelujah. But sometimes we got to stop and let the shepherd be the shepherd to us. Amen. Number three, the shepherd leads. 
Psalms 23, 3 says he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's leading us. He's leading us. As a pastor, I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you know what the will of God is? How do you find out what God's will is for my life? How do I do that, Pastor Jamie? And all I can ever say is just start doing something and you're going to find out what you're good at and what you're not good at. That's why I strongly encourage you to be a part of one of our serve teams in this church. Right now, we've got some ladies in the back that that are serving your kids right now. We had people that were at church a half hour to an hour early that the worship team had to get up probably about 630 just to get prepared and pick people up and get them all here. We had some that came from Lake Charles to be here just to lead in worship. We've got people that get here early just to greet you at the door. We got somebody that comes early just to make the coffee. We got people in the sound booth that are laboring, having to deal with me directly. Poor folk, y'all need to pray for them. They're here an hour early, hour and a half early, just to prepare, just to get things ready. You know what they're doing? They may not, all everybody I'm talking about may not be the best at what they're doing. They may not necessarily be what they're called to do, but they're doing something. And it's Jesus leading them to do something. And when they're doing something, he's going to lead them into the place they're supposed to be. I realized I was supposed to be a pastor when I got frustrated with the children's pastor we had. And I went and complained about him to the pastor. Note to self, don't ever go to the pastor and complain about something. Because you might just get that job. I became children's pastor all of a sudden. And then I realized being a children's pastor, how much I liked it and enjoyed it. And I realized that that's what God was calling me to do. Amen. I just simply let him lead me. When you trust him, you'll follow him. When you find your security in him, you'll follow him. When you know that he will provide only the best for you, you follow him. When you start questioning all that, you stop. Amen. Them poor chickens we got, them suckers follow us all the way around the fence. I mean, they, they, they know. They know when we're coming. They know where we're going. They're looking for something. They, they find security. When Kate's around, they, they come. They huddle next to us. John 10, 3 to 5 says that the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Did something with the kids when I realized we were stressing the chickens out. I put some rice in in an empty Coke can. I taped the top. And anytime I said, anytime we bring food to the chickens, we're going to do this. We're going to shake the the rice thing. And we're going to say this. I got all the kids around because we all need to be in in the same accord. Same Honda. I said, come on, we're going to do this. I said, let's say, here, chick, 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 here, chick, chick. So this is, you might pass by and you see somebody out in the yard doing this. Just know we're calling the chickens. We haven't lost it. We're just calling the chickens. So they do. So now we walk out and we're here, chick, chick, chick. It's kind of goofy, but honestly, it works. They know our voice. I'm hoarse this morning. I had my cup of coffee. I wanted to go sit with the chickens. I'm I'm walking out to the thing, and and it was really, really very white this morning. It was deep. And I'm on a, and I always go, and I'm just letting you know, I'm embarrassed by saying this, but I just always go, hey, ladies, hey, ladies, what you say, girls? I just kind of butter my chickens up, you know, because I want some day going eggs. (laughs) I eat at least three eggs in the morning, them chickens need to produce. So I go sit out there, hey, ladies. And so this morning, I sound like, they still recognize my voice. That's my girls. Right? When I call Cheryl, Cheryl doesn't have to say, who is this? Why? Because she knows my voice. Some of your friends don't have to say, who is this? Because they know your voice. 
lot of times when I know somebody's calling me, I'll pick up the phone. I say, what's up? So-and-so. And they're like, oh, hey, uh, Pastor Jamie. Yeah. Of course, that's caller ID. But <laughs> some of us need to have a little caller ID in the spirit. <laughs> Amen. But he says, my sheep know my voice. Question this morning is, is do you know his voice? You see, I got locked up in this thing where I didn't believe that God spoke to us on a daily basis. I thought it was only for special occasions and big decisions that God spoke to us. That's what I thought it was. And I had a guy tell me one day, he says, man, what are you talking about? God speaks to us all the time. Every day, all day. I mean, he's, he's constantly speaking to us. It, it changed my thinking. And so now I, I expect to hear his voice at any moment. I recognize his voice. Can I tell you something, though? When I was learning his voice, there was a few times I missed it. And I made some mistakes. But you know what? That's okay. That's where his grace comes. That's where his mercy comes. Right? Don't listen because, and don't make a decision because you think you heard something and you're not sure if it's his voice or not. Make that decision and realize if it's his voice. Or come to somebody that you're supposed to be in, 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 in discipleship with or come to a pastor and say, hey, this is what I believe God's telling me. What do you think? That's what the Bible says to seek counsel. That's something I do. I mean, if it's something pretty major, besides go to the store and get some bread, I kind of go, I'll call my pastor. Hey, man, this is what I feel like God's telling me. What you, what, tell me what you think about this. And there's been times I go, you're crazy. Ain't God. And there's been other times I said, man, that's God. You better hurry up. I'm like, okay. Sheep know the shepherd's voice. They know when he's near. Amen. Have you spent enough time with him to recognize his voice? If you haven't, that's okay. It's okay to be where you are. It's just not okay to stay where you are. Amen. Amen. You can hear his voice. You got to get this deep down in your spirit. You got to understand this. You can hear his voice because he said, my sheep know my voice. Guess what? You're his sheep. At times you might act like a goat, but you're his sheep. You can hear his voice. Number four, the shepherd supports. Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You can have confidence because the shepherd is with you. He's with you at the gravesite. He's with you at the funeral home. He's with you at the bedside. He's with you at the accident. He's with you all the time. Amen? He is with you. You can have confidence because he is with you. <coughs> Amen? He's with you. He's there to support you. I remember when my mama died. Man, that was one of the most devastating things in my life because my mama was all I had. She raised me by herself. And she spalled me rotten. And when she died, I mean, I held it together until the gravesite. And when, when I realized she was dying, I, said, I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, you're going to have to help me, man, because I, I don't know how I'm going to do with this. I had fear that I would go back to my old lifestyle. I had fear that I would, I would find myself in a bar room on drugs doing something crazy. I mean, I really thought that could have happened. But he was with me the whole time and he supported me. And there's a verse in the Old Testament that says that he, oh, he holds us up with his righteous right hand. And I'll never forget that verse because that was my verse for going through that season. And I remember being at the gravesite and everybody else left. And I stood there realizing I would never see her again until heaven. And I just lost it. And I just remember sensing and feeling, and I don't like to use the word feeling, but just knowing that he was with me in that moment. And that he supported me. Even afterwards, he supported me. And many of you know that same thing. Right? 2 Timothy 4.16 says, And no one came to, to my support. 
But everyone deserted me. This is Paul speaking. Everyone abandoned him. He says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. You got to know that the shepherd's going to stand next to you and give you strength in your time of need. Amen. You got to know that you don't need to freak out. You need to be confident and secure knowing that he's going to be there. That's easier said than done. Number five, the shepherd defends. You're going to like this one. Psalms 23, 4 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> I love that verse. You prepare. Think about this. You prepare a table for me. Okay. In the presence of my enemies. In other words, with my enemies watching, I'm going to sit down and feast at a table that God has prepared for me. Oh, come on now. I'm sitting at this table. Let's just pretend for a moment you're all my enemies. I know better. I'm sitting. And God himself is preparing a table right here in the front. And you're all my enemies and you're jealous, you're angry, you're bitter, you want to kill me, you want to destroy me, you want to do all these things to me. And I'm sitting here about to feast, baby. Almost going, mmm, you bunch of sapsuckers, look what I got. I got filet mignon, baby. No vegetables. And sweet tea. Plenty of bluebell. I'll roll that out on a wagon. In the presence of my enemies. You know, what does that say? It says, I need to have an attitude knowing that he's taking care of me. Knowing that he's preparing something for me. Knowing that he is just caretaking. If I'll let him, he's just caretaking. Taking good care of his sheep right in front of the wolves. Man, you got to get a picture of that attitude. And that's an attitude we got to have. Knowing that he's for us and not against us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My shepherd's going to take care of me. Because he's going to take such good care of me, I'm going to stay right at his hip. Amen? I'm going to stay right there. Why? Because there's where security is. There's where comfort is. There's where my provision is and my protection is. It's all right here. You see, I don't want to get outside of the reach of the rod because I want to do my own thing and get ate up by the enemy. You see, we had a chicken that thought he could get out the coop. She actually did. We had one out this morning, too. But they learned a valuable lesson. Kate was out, the lab. So we come home, and Kate didn't realize the chicken was out. She was sleeping underneath the porch or on the porch. And so the girls go out there to check for eggs and they go and, and Kate's out there just kind of sniffing around. She catches a scent. And I got this old boat next to the where we got the chickens at. And Kate kind of darts off towards the boat. And I think Virginia was you that was there. So all of a sudden Virginia hears all this commotion. She runs over there and this poor little chicken's underneath the tip of the boat. Trying to stick his head underneath the boat. And the boat's laying flat on the ground. Trying to stick his head and his tail feathers are up in the air. And Kate's over there plucking feathers. Just getting after it. And the poor chicken couldn't get under the boat. I mean, if we wouldn't have found it, all that had been left was the head stuck under the boat. So Virginia saved the chicken, put the chicken back in the pen. They know where their security is. I was like, thank you, Kate. You taught them knuckleheads a good lesson. Get out and Kate's going to eat you. But when you know who Jesus is, you want to stay close to him, right? You want to know that he's your best friend. He's your teacher. He's the miracle worker. He's the shepherd. You want to stay right there. When you know that and you remember that and you live in that, then you don't, you don't try to wander off. Because come on, we're good at wandering off. 
Amen. We're good at wandering off. We're good at slipping away. I've backslidden before. I'm not exempt from doing it again. But the more I know about Jesus, the more less likely, I'm sorry, excuse my language, but the less likely I am to backslide again. Right? I was born and raised in Franklin. You got to excuse me. The shepherd defends. John 10, 11 says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, that, you know what that verse says to me? That gives me a mental vision of Jesus in the garden. Saying, Lord, if you can, take this cup from me. But if not, your will be done. That was the great shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. That's the picture I get when I read that verse. It says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, some of us slept good last night knowing that we have peace in this country. Because there's people fighting for us overseas. Right? You got to know that in the same way Jesus is fighting for you. He's got angels that are fighting for you. He's got a legion of angels that are going to war. There's wars going on in the heavenly realms that you have no idea about. Just for you. There's battles. Number six, the shepherd blesses. Oh, we love this one. The shepherd blesses. Psalms 23, 5 to 6 says, you anoint my head with oil. That's a good thing. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I got up this morning, and I just thank God that surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me the rest of my life. Because I need a lot of surely goodness and mercy. Right? And his word says that it's going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm like, come on, let's go. I get up. Y'all coming. I need some today. He blesses me. He anoints my head with oil. You know what that means? He keeps me good looking. I'm going to tell you something. When people come to this church, and I'm not saying just this church. I've seen it happen in other churches. I'm just using this one for an example. When we were doing uh, Next Step classes, which, by the way, we're going to be doing one soon. Next Step classes, when people join the church, it's not long after they join and they start getting plugged into the, the, the goings and the movings of the church and they start growing in Christ, that something in their face changes. You want to test this? Go look at a picture if you still got one before you met Jesus. When you really thought you looked good. And you just might scare yourself. And then look at, look at yourself now. And it's as if you've anointed yourself with oil, right? It's as if you've taken care of yourself. That's what they did when they anointed somebody with oil. It was like a, a, a cleansing. It was almost like a, a taking care of yourself, right? You look different after you've been anointed with oil than before, Right? Before the oil, you were scaly, peeling, dry, and crusty. Right? Come on, it's gross. Come on, we all been ashy before in our lives. And you ain't got to be black to be ashy. Let me let you know that. Right, Posey? But after you put a little lotion on them legs, what happens? Bling! They look good. Right? I love my wife when she got lotions on her legs. Lotions. There's a lot of lotion. <laughs> well, it's just a little bit. Just a little bit works fine. But there's something about that, right? Something looks different. When you let the shepherd take care of you, you should look different. Your countenance should change. There should be a smile on your face, a pep in your step. How dare you come to Jesus and hang on to your mully grubs? Seriously. How you doing? I'm on. I thought you gave your life to Jesus. Well, yeah, I did. You took it back? Come on, sometimes we act like that. 
His goodness chases you down. His mercy is constantly going after you. Come on. Listen, I've been the biggest knucklehead in the world. I've needed more mercy than any of you sitting in here. And there was times I didn't think I was going to get mercy because I didn't deserve it. And mercy caught up to me. Amen. You anoint my head with all my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know why you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Because of the previous. He's going to anoint me with all my cups going to run over. He's going to take care of me. Surely goodness and mercy going to follow me. When you understand the goodness of God, you don't run from him anymore. You run to him. You run to him. Come on. You know how it is when you remember what he delivered you from. When you remember the junk that he broke off of you, when you remember the people he took you away from that were dragging you down and filling your life with death. When you remember those things, you just want to be close to him. Why? Because you know what he did for you. You know that he delivered you. Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 says, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He wants to pour out his goodness upon us. He wants us to do his will and he's going to give us everything that we need to do his will. And it's going to be good. It's better to do his will than your will. He's the great shepherd. Wrap it up with this. Last thing. Know the shepherd. Get to know the shepherd. As your pastor, I only have the best for you. The last thing I would ever try to do is knock any of you down. I don't, I don't want to knock you down. I don't want to have to hurt you. I don't want to do something bad to you. I don't want to let you down. The reason I don't go sleep around is because I don't want to let you down. The reason I don't drink anymore is because I, I want to be a good shepherd. First, I want to be a good sheep, but I want to be a good shepherd too. Amen? I only want what's best for you. Sometimes I may have to take the staff and wrap it around your neck and pull you in a different direction. Because sometimes we want to be bullheaded sheep. Right? But you got to know that the rod is there for the enemy, not for you. Jesus never beat his sheep. He restored his sheep. And there's a crook in that in that in that staff that he uses to pull us back. Sometimes it's called correction. Right? It's never called condemnation and guilt. That's the enemy's trick. Jesus corrects you. He comes at you straightforward, very specific, and tells you you need to repent of this or you need to repent of that. And that's how he pulls you back in to where security and safety is. And then he's got this long rod. He lays on his shoulder. And it's for the wolves. All around here, it's for the coyotes. Right? And that's what he uses against them. That's all I want to be. I just want to be a good shepherd. I'm trying to be as good of a shepherd as Jesus is. Remember, he's my teacher. So if sometimes I seem hard, sometimes I get a little red in the face and say something real strong and it hurts you, just know this, that I only have the best for you. Those that have been here long enough, these two sitting right here and many others, 
They know. I may be strong at times. But I only have the best intentions. Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not find myself in a place of one. Let me go back over these real quick. Number one, the shepherd provides. Number two, the shepherd restores. Number three, the shepherd leads. Number four, the shepherd supports. Number five, the shepherd defends. Number six, the shepherd blesses. Know the shepherd. John 10, 14 says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Some of you may know me better than you know the great shepherd. And I'm glad that we know each other, but I'm really sad that you don't know the great shepherd better than you know me. Today, I want you to just leave with this. He's the great shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. He's the great pastor. I'm the under pastor. Are you hearing me? Jesus is the great shepherd. Know the shepherd. So, pastor, how do I do that? What does that look like? Honestly, it may just start with just opening your mouth and talking to him. It may be that you need to turn some of those things off like Facebook and iPads and iPods and cell phones and (coughs) and just spend some quiet time with him. Try it. And and some of you are probably like me. You're going to go, okay, well, as soon as I finish this, then I'll try it. No. Some of you just thought that just now. As soon as I finish this project, as soon as I finish this, do it today. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Go sit quietly with the shepherd. (laughs) Hey, I'm here. Love to spend some time with you. I left my cell phone in the closet, in the box in another box so I couldn't hear it and turned it off. Can we spend some time together? And can I give you this? He'll show up. He absolutely will. And just like we said, he will restore you. Anybody need some restoration this morning? Anybody need to hear the shepherd's voice this morning? If you're here and you've never met Jesus and you don't know him as your shepherd, I want to encourage you after service to come talk to me. I'd love to introduce you to the great shepherd. Amen.